Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. If you served in the Vietnam, Gulf War, or post-9-11 eras, you may be eligible for expanded VA benefits. A new law known as the PACT Act provides disability compensation, health care, free toxic exposure screenings, and more to veterans who are exposed to toxins during their military service. You can submit a claim for your PACT Act-related benefits now. Claims received by August 10, 2023 may be paid back to August 10, 2022. Visit va.gov/pact to learn more and file your claim. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am Brandon Karam. Alongside of me is L.J. La Fiora. LJ, how are we doing uh, tonight? Good. For a second, I thought you were about to say I am LJ La Fiora and just go through the regular uh, intro. You know, (laughs) with the way I'm feeling right now, I certainly that that was in the realm of possibilities uh, for things to come out of my mouth. But we just went with the good old original, you know, can't hurt. Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't think anything can, can hurt more than uh, my, you know, just my soul after watching tonight's games. And for those of you who are wondering why we shook up the intro tonight, first off, why not? Second, um, Brandon was a little flustered last night thinking about how good Garrett Whitlock is, and we had a little technical difficulties at the end, so... Yeah, accidentally ended premature premature stoppage second early. So cut off LJ saying see ya manana. No one got to hear see ya manana yesterday, and it's probably the thing that stuck with me the most today. Well, LJ, what do you say that we get into these games? Uh certainly one of the teams that we wanted to touch on yesterday and actually wanted to have in our title yesterday is the Houston Astros. But uh 
there was just too much other stuff to talk about yesterday. But today, uh, LJ, we are going to be talking about them right here at the top. Yeah, let's dive into this as the Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles managed to get four runs off of the Astros in the first inning. Houston added two more in the fourth inning with a Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker singles, both driving in one apiece. And then in the top eighth, Austin Hayes, his eighth home run of the year to extend this to our 5-2 Orioles final as the Orioles get a third game against Houston here this week. The win will go to Tanner Scott. He pitched an inning in two-thirds of shutout ball after Matt Harvey went four and a third, two earned, three strikeouts, startling numbers for one of the worst pitchers in the league to be going up against the best offense in the league and only give up two earned here. Luis Garcia will get the loss here for Houston. He went four innings, allowing four earned runs, five strikeouts. The save will go to Cole Solcer, his third of the year. Well, LJ, I think the story here is last week, Houston is at one point on, what was it, an 11-game win streak, 12-game win streak? I want to say it was like 12 or 13. 12 games in a row. We're saying that they're completely unstoppable. The offense, one through eight, is just so deep. They've now dropped four in a row, three to the Orioles. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm still not off. The Houston is the best team in the league, but this is at least eye-opening to me. I mean, certainly not good. I think that what what makes me more confident is that if it was, if it was the hitting that wasn't doing good, and obviously tonight only two runs, but just in general, if this offense was was getting carried by their pitching, I would be a bit nervous, especially because ever since we've seen these substance checks come in offense has been up all around the league so would I be concerned if it was if it was uh their offense that was struggling yes but uh you know as for their their pitching they had a stretch there where LJ I heard this stat at one point through the last five times through the rotation for the Astros so that's 25 starts they had like a 2.6 ERA from their starters through five times through the rotation. I mean, that's that's crazy. And to, to think that you're going to stay at that pace from, from your starting pitchers, you're just not. But, uh, yeah, nice start from Matt Harvey pitching into the fifth inning here. Uh, certainly that's an accomplishment for him uh, with the way he's been struggling. But, yeah, LJ, uh, what do you got to say about Houston? Yeah, Houston here, again, I think Brandon's right. They're still my pick as the best team in the American League right now at this very moment in time. However, I think that is certainly open to change, as well as the fact that this is showing some very scary flaws for the future of this team. We've been talking a lot about how how much promise is in this pitching staff, especially when it's being like, anchored down by such strong veterans like Zach Greinke and Justin Verlander who have rejuvenated their careers in Houston. I've been saying this without much proof for a while, 
they have to be doing something. I didn't 100% think oh. it was illegal. However, it, it's it's, it's been, 100% illegal. It's been going on since like 2017, 2018. Yep. Prior to their the the cameras, the Astros were one of the first teams to really build up an analytics department. They had to have been on spin rate, you know, like years ago, because with the, I guess, word is with the amount of sophistication that they had compared to other teams within their analytics department at the time. I mean, weren't, weren't they also like, was it the Astros who got in trouble? That guy hacked into that scouting database a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember that. It might have been someone from the Cardinals actually hacking into the Astros scouting that uh, scouting database. But yeah, in 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 terms of the analytics, there's a couple teams still in the league that are more advanced than other teams: Houston, the Yankees, uh, Tampa Bay, Oakland to an extent. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is just. I don't know what pitchers were doing when they got there. Obviously, something. We all know it's spider tech, Brandon. Let's not. Let's not. Oh, let's yeah. not. Let's not move around this because spider the numbers are there. Other substance, something. Something. Well, I mean, spider tech. Yeah, honestly, because like, I mean, look. Let's look at the numbers. Garrett Cole again. Not trying to hate more. Hit more on the Yankees than they need to tonight. I don't want to beat them completely to death. Like if they're not already, if they're already dead, then I'm just be- beating gross mush against the ground however this is a guy who was a Cy Young candidate in in Houston that before he went to Houston his last season had a 4-2-5 ERA with the Pittsburgh Pirates so you go from 4-2-5 ERA which Brandon correct me if I'm wrong would you say many at least modern Cy Young winners have a plus four ERA. Uh, in in like any given one season in their career, I'm sure a couple Cy Young winners. No, no, no. In, but in, no, a, in a Cy Young, in a oh, Cy Young in season, Cy Young winning season, no, absolutely not above four. No, absolutely not. Yeah, so he wasn't a Cy Young contender with the Pittsburgh Pirates. All of a sudden, he shows up in Houston in 2018. Drops to a 288 and then to a 250 the year after, where he comes in second place for that Cy Young Award and then has another very strong 60 game season with New York. Brandon, I'm sure you've seen this number. He's got a 465 ERA in his, what is it, two or three starts since the substance rule came into effect? Yeah. And, you know, not only that, LJ, I want. I just saw two things on his on his baseball reference page that need to be talked about. So 2017 with the Pirates, he throws 203 innings and has 196 strikeouts. So that's 8.7 strikeouts per nine, which is not bad, right? LJ, would, would you say 8.7 Ks per nine? It's all right. Solid for a starter. It's certainly not great, but it's good for a starter. He comes to Houston in 2018, throws three less innings, yet strikes out 80 more batters in three less innings of work. 
he went from 8.7 strikeouts per nine to 12.4 Ks per nine. And then the next year, he goes from 12.4 Ks per nine to 13.8 Ks per nine in that year where he uh, comes in, in second to the Cy Young to, to Justin Verlander. Clearly, I mean, look, you could also make the argument because I've seen it online. It's like, oh, well, the two years he was in Houston, he was at his prime physically, 27 and 28. No. Very true, which is true, but your FIP does not go. Your FIP should not be dropping from 4.08 to 2.7 and then 2.64 to lead the league just because you switch teams. What other pitcher have you seen strikeout numbers absolutely skyrocket like that? I mean, that's... Um, I've got one for you. Justin, Justin Verlander. Verlander. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin Verlander. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is yet another example. Yeah. Hits his career high in strikeouts per nine in 2018 and 2019. He wasn't striking out this many batters when he was winning the MVP in Cy Young. It's just he, well, and you I, look you look elsewhere. I mean, let's go over and look at ERA. He was he was maintaining a mid threes, and in that season in Detroit, age 34, 2017, that was high threes, a three eight two ERA, and then all of a sudden with those five games, he's a one oh six, and then. The next two years, he's a two-five. There, there's obviously something going on there, and this new rule is obviously going to be set up to fail them, as we're seeing. Again, I can, I can kind of chalk it up to them being hot for the first week. However, how many teams are going to let seven, nine spots and thirteen spots be put up against them by the Baltimore Orioles on back-to-back nights? Not many, and LJ, I. I think I just found another example here. Charlie Morton goes from he he had bounced around the Pirates and then one year with the Phillies, just you know, trying to tread tread water. ERA plus up and up through 2016 during his career, 2008 through 2016. LJ he had an 84 ERA plus. His two years in Houston. His ERA plus 123. So about 40% better he was at preventing earned runs. His strikeout numbers do go up significantly, but uh, they go from his last full year was in 2015 with Pittsburgh. It was at 6.7 Ks per nine. He goes to Houston. He's above 10 for a couple of years. And then with Tampa Bay, he's actually kept it up. So I'm not sure if Charlie Morton was more about reinventing his game or if the Astros showed him something, because I have read that like a guy like Ryan Presley, who joined the Astros when he was on, when he first joined the Astros, he wasn't that shut down re- reliever that he is now. They changed up some stuff with him with his pitch mix and sort of developed him into a great, pitcher that we know he, he, he is today but yeah I mean this is I mean you could I'm sure LJ we could look at other guys like uh, Lance McCullers 
some other ones that are in there and just look at what their stats were like prior to being on Houston. But yeah, clearly they were doing something and it worked because mm. like, I mean, even though we're, we're, we're looking at it now, I mean, we're complaining about them implementing some system that worked and they didn't get caught for. So it's, I'm not saying it's cheating. I'm not saying anything. I mean, certainly the Astros and cheating LJ, I know that you're certainly done talking about that. I'm done talking about it. This is its own new thing. What they're doing with, with, with pitchers and what they have done with pitchers. I mean, they completely reinvigorated, Justin Verlander because people actually thought that he was yeah. like done in a couple of years. People thought that by this year he would be retired. And now it's like, oh, he's a free agent after this year. Where is he gonna sign? You know? Exactly. And it's like, you know, I'm not sure. Like I always I always thought, I mean, did they cheat? Yes. However, I felt like the bigger part of their success was over these past couple of years has been what they've been able to do from a pitching standpoint. So I'm not sure if it's legal. I'm not sure what it is exactly. But if it is something substance-wise, they're kind of screwed. If not, then they're going to be successful for a lot longer than they probably should be because you're going to be able to see some of these guys. I mean, a lot of this could end up being youth too. Um I'm going to pretend Jake Odorizzi doesn't exist because why wouldn't I? Um, you've got all of the this young talent like Luis Garcia or Fran Valdez who may not pitch great every single time out or weeks on end where they're not, they're not good. But then all of a sudden they'll turn it on. They'll flip that switch and they'll be able to go. So as a baseball fan, I would love to see this group be able to be successful in that regard. Because then you're going to get so much more life out of this lineup as well. Like, you're not going to think, okay, this group isn't good enough. Or you're not going to see this being as not good enough early. Like, if you have a poor pitching staff, you're going to be more apt to shake up your lineup because it's not winning games than you are if you're winning games but scoring less runs. Yeah. So I think they're going to be able to stick together. So they're going to stick. They're going to be able to stick this out, keep things going for a lot longer. Is I think my point. Oh yeah, and you know I think that this team from the start. I mean, when we saw what they were doing in the early 2010s, where they essentially brought tanking to to baseball, they saw what the Philadelphia 76ers were doing in the NBA with tanking, and the Astros. Look, they've always been a forward-thinking front office. You certainly can't say that uh, they mm. haven't. They figure, you know, what if for a couple of years we completely slash our payroll? Sure, we're going to put professional players out there, but our intent is not to win. Let's try to build through the draft. Boy, did they hit on those draft picks. I mean, Carlos mm. Correa, Alex Bregman, they actually miss on one of the number one overall picks there where they had the a the first pick in the draft and they took a, a pitcher who um has still not yet made the 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 majors. He's 29 years old now, name is Mark Appel. I mean, they could have had 
a guy like Byron Buxton had they not, or excuse me, not Byron Buxton. Um, that they, they wouldn't have gone there. They wouldn't have gone there. Um, I clicked on the wrong year in the draft. Um, oh, here we go. 2013 draft. They could have had Chris Bryant or how about Austin Meadows? Uh, you know, there's quite a few names here of guys. Aaron Judge, there you go, second round. So, yeah, but besides the point, the Astros had something coming up. And then when you combine not only that, but they had good hitters. When you combine the, the, the good hitters with this new uh, pitching philosophy that we're just finding out the last couple of years that all these teams are trying to mock, which is high fastballs, low curveballs, uh, and it's worked for the Astros. I mean, they made four straight ALCSs. Right now, I think you'd be stupid to not put them in the ALCS. I mean, I'd say yeah. White Sox, Astros at the current moment. Maybe you could throw Tampa in there. But <laughs> look, man, I mean, or excuse me, I said uh, Tampa and, and, and Boston are both in consideration okay. there. But yeah, if they're if they're doing something with pine tar or spider tack, you're right. They are screwed. But let's just see what happens. I mean, they dropped a couple to to a Baltimore, but if the pitch, even if their pitching falters a little bit, LJ, you would think the offense has been so so good this year that yeah, they might lose a few more games, but nothing should really change about this team. Well, I think honestly success this year again the offense is great but I still look to how well they've done pitching and how well they've done in game coordinating Mm. that I think is the biggest one of the biggest pieces of modern baseball that you're starting to see more and more now um I'm trying to think who has it LA I know has it I think Houston does has a certified like a, a a legitimate like person for it um, the Red Sox have one now. The Rays have one now. All of these guys that it's all their entire game is about pitch mix. It's about planning every single at bat in scrutinous detail and knowing what you're working with. Oh yeah. Um, and they, they're they're blowing these scouting reports out of the park. That's the only and that's the only reason I can say it. Like I think you can make a you could make a case for Boston. You can make a case for Chicago. If Tampa were hot, you can make a case. Yeah. I, I, I've waned. I've waned on them purely because they, I started. They've really fallen off since since uh, Tyler Glass now got hurt. People aren't talking about it as 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 much as they were right when uh, Glass now went down, but they have faltered a bit. Well, I think the bigger thing is. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. 
Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Like, you have to remember that this team is built over a season's span. Like, this is a every, team that... Yeah, every team is built that way, I would say. No, but I think this this more so in the same in the same vein as the A's, where it's not necessarily like they're not the we're gonna go ahead and just like be very super consistent. They're gonna these types of teams end up being a little streaky. So you can get stretches like they had where they went on that absolute tear at what was it, nineteen games? Eighteen games? Fifteen games? Something okay. like that, yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was a lot of games. It was a lot of games that they won consecutively. I think it was somewhere around 15. Um, you can go on those stretches, and then you'll just absolutely cool off, which other teams aren't going to do just because they're, they're built differently. So built. realistically, they're built different, yeah. So you can't ride those highs too much with a team like Oakland or a team like Tampa because – you know you're going to end up getting disappointed there. So, like, again, if they're hot going into the playoffs, yes, absolutely. However, the odds of that I don't think are the most likely thing. So, but my point was, yeah, so you got the Red Sox, you got Chicago. Both are teams that matched up horrifically against the Astros this season. I mean, they have – they they dominated them because they were able to figure out exactly what they do well and how to combat it better than any other team. I mean, for Pete's sake, they wrote the book on Raphael Devers. And not only are the Astros good against just the like you said, the because because I remember those those uh, series against the the Red Sox, their their starting pitching just absolutely carried them through that series. Against the White Sox series too. Yeah. And against teams that are above 500, they're 29 and 16. That's the best record in the league other than the Milwaukee Brewers who are 20 and six against teams that are above 500. They play up to their competition and they're just, like you said, it's those, it's those, scouting reports you know lj maybe it is like yeah they're playing baltimore maybe they play better when they have better competition like honestly because well to be fair yeah it's like they just like uh, punted three games to the orioles like they aren't used and the way that they've been using their their bullpen lately too they're bringing starters out of the bullpen all the time now uh i'm not sure what a dusty baker has in mind for this this pitching staff but he certainly has too many starters too many prospects that are going to be starters 
and starters on the IL. So he needs to find out what to do with all these pitchers. But uh, yeah, I'd say that so far this year, he's been doing a good job. Certainly these couple glass games where the Astros have lost four in a row hurt. But Elja, I think the moral of the story from this segment is uh, we're both not concerned. Right now, no. In the future, Again, potentially. I don't think that they're like, I don't think they're unbeatable. I don't think they're this almighty team. I I still would not guarantee them the division. Yeah, it's baseball. I, I mean, anything. I mean, I, 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 at, at best, I think you could talk me to 65-35. Them over Oakland. Okay. Just because, I mean, you know, you know, you get the pitching at the wrong times, you get the pitching at the right times. Keep in mind, they're only a half game between each other, and we're at the start of July. Yeah, so, the run differential, though. I'm so sick of run differential, honestly. Like, this is another topic for another time. But the more I've, like, actually focused on the game this year more than any other year before, the less I like run differential. Like. It, it, it's fine if it serves your narrative. However, as a whole, it doesn't mean anything. And I think what ultimately taught me that was that Toronto game against Boston. Like, Yeah, no, we're going to talk about a game tonight that just, you know, once they get out of hand, it's pretty much like, over. Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. What does it matter? So, like, you could end up with, like, six extra runs here, four extra runs there that meant absolutely nothing to the competition level of the game. What matters are wins and losses, not expected wins and losses. Well, let's talk about an actual win and a loss between the Angels and the Yankees. Shohei Otani making his pitching debut in the Bronx. The first time ever that an opposing team would waive their DH against the Yankees. And he gets some help in the top of the first inning. Phil Gosselin goes deep off of Domingo Herman to give the Angels a 2-0 lead. But in the first inning, Otani cannot find the zone, walks the first three batters of the game. Then Giancarlo Stanton comes up with the bases loaded. He rips an RBI single. Glaber Torres comes up with the bases loaded. He rips an RBI single. It's tied two. It's tied at two after five batters. Otani still is not registered and out, and the bases are loaded. He then gets Rugnetto Dor to strike out. He gets Miguel Andujar to ground out, which scores a run. Then hits Clint Frazier, walks Brett Gardner. That walks a run, and we are Yankees are up four to two. They have hit a round, and that's all that manager Joe Madden wanted to see out of Otani takes him out in the first inning despite hitting him leadoff, replaces him with Aaron Sleggers. Otani is out of the game. And then DJ LeMahieu comes up with a huge hit, scores three runs, a bases-clearing double. The Yankees lead 7-2 to two after the first inning. That is all you need to know that happened in this game. <laughs> there was nothing that happened in the ninth inning that would uh, make me want to be mad as a fan whatsoever. I know in the fifth inning, Jared Walsh would homer. That pulled it within three. 
Brett Gardner homers in the bottom of the eighth. The Yankees take a four-run lead into the ninth. They're bringing Chapman in, and oh, my goodness. It is a disaster of an inning if I have ever seen one. A la Shohei Otani, Aroldis Chapman walks the first batter, then gets the next one to hit into a force out. So we have one out, a four-run lead, and a runner on first. If we could spin one of those uh, double plays that we hit into so often, we can get out of this and win the game. Unfortunately, Chapman has no feel for the zone, then walks Max Stassi. But that's okay, though. Brandon, that's okay, because now you're going to be able to turn one of your famous triple plays, right? Oh, well, well, the problem was there was already one out, so we could only turn a double play at that point. You can turn a triple play without, like, there's just an extra out. Well, here's my favorite favorite, uh, just segment of the game. So we get a Max Stassi walk, so now it's first and second with one out. We get a mound visit. Proceeds to then walk the next batter. So now it's bases loaded with one out, and Jared Walsh steps up, grand slam, tie game, off of Aroldis Chapman, a left-on-left home run, grand slam to tie the game in the ninth. Mound visit, Chapman's out. They bring in the other lefty, Lucas Lickie. He walks Phil Gosselin, then allows a single, then gets a strikeout. All right, we could be going to the bottom of the ninth here, LJ, in a tie game. You know, we might have to get a little bit of Manfred ball, but that would be all right. Nope. We get a pinch hitter, a stolen base. Then Luis Rengifo rips a single. He was the pinch hitter. That scores two runs. The Angels go up 10 to 8. Taylor Ward then doubles just to keep adding on. It's 11 to 8 Angels. They score seven runs in the top of the ninth inning after a two hour and 13 minute rain delay during the middle of the game. We couldn't just end the game, Chapman. You couldn't just go out there and end it. No, we got to give up seven runs. Yankees unable to do anything in the bottom of the ninth. Angels win Shohei Otani's pitching debut against the Yankees, 11-8. to The win goes to Mike Mayers in relief. Lucas Lickie takes the loss, but we all know who this loss really was on. That's on Aroldis Chapman. Domingo Herman got the start. Three innings, three hits, three runs, three walks. Uh, Otani, two-thirds of an inning, two hits, seven runs, four walks for him. And Rysel Iglesias with his 15th save of the season. Um, this has been this a is shock. It's tough. And again, I, I can let you take this away after I just say, I mean, honestly, this has been I don't, I'm not even sure tough is the correct word to describe this month. I mean, this is a guy that at the end of April, Brandon was campaigning that the MLB did him dirty by not considering him the top they reliever. Still did, no, they still did the dirty. Still did him dirty. Even I in a historic month for Matt Barnes? I will, I will hold that to the grave. 
that he was done dirty in April. I could give a care. He's certainly, I care. He's certainly not got done dirty. He did the league dirty in June with his 12.07 June 2021 ERA. Yeah, he certainly did do the league dirty there, but I think that he was done dirty in April. Regardless of what's happened this month, because it's been bad. Uh, look, I mean, all I'm going to have to say about this, this, this Yankees team at this point is I don't know how many more times we can say that was the worst loss of, of the season. It feels like we've said that too many times. You could point at that Minnesota loss, but where Chapman blows the game, allows the home runs to Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson. But also you could say, oh, well, we won two out of three in that series. Fair. I think that this loss here, from an organizational standpoint, is clearly the worst because we have some lineup making here that just makes no sense. LJ, last time I checked, major league teams can tell they have weather forecasts, correct? They can see what it's going to look so. like for the next day. Like they, uh-huh. they have a pretty good idea what they, the, the weather is going to be at the stadium on the next day they're there. So I mean, the majority of them should, I mean, the majority of them are adults. They should watch the news. Okay. Well, you would think that when the game probably has about a 99% chance to get rained out the next day, because it's an afternoon game that you would play two of your best five hitters against a premier pitcher. No, is that why Aaron Judge is on the bench? Like, why why, why not just sit them tomorrow when you're facing a, a, a bad pitcher and it's the day after a night game and it's not even going to get played because it's going to rain? So let's just sit Gio Rochella and Aaron Judge tonight for really no good reason other than we want Rugnet Odor in the lineup because he's a lefty and Otani's a righty. That's the only justification for taking out Urshela. Literally the only justification. As for Judge, I mean, last time I checked, Yankee Stadium isn't turf, so he can play three games in a row on the outfield. If you really want to give him the day off, then you know what? You bite the bullet and you just say, all right, Stanton gets the day off and Judge gets to to uh, be, be, be a DH. But also at this point in the year, Stanton should be playing in the field. I mean, we heard it was going to be June. It was going to be late May. It's going to be June. It's July 1st now at the time that we're recording this. And we still haven't seen a second of Giancarlo Stanton in the field. So Wait, Seriously? He's, he's got a game in. No, we have, no, he has been the permanent DH the entire year. No. In 2018, 2019, he played games in the field. Not in 2020 or 2021. Well, 2020, he barely played. He played less than half the games. Um, Oh, my gosh. You're right. He playoff run, though. So, yeah. Uh, Positive from the game that I will say. 
Justin Wilson and uh, Darren O'Day both came back from injury, pitched clean innings. Johnny Lasagna continues his all-star campaign. Tenth hold on the year. Also has seven wins, which uh, if this was the 80s, he'd be getting quite a bit of Cy Young votes. Seven and three record with that 2.32 ERA is spicy lasagna, if you ask me. Uh, we need to put this guy in the all-star game. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, uh, the bullpen other than Luis Sessa and Chapman and Lucas Lickey was good. Uh, feels like a you lot. Know, of, um, I'm saying we're good other than those guys. But, yeah, you, you know, know. who doesn't blow this game? Who? Garrett Whitlock. Ask his teammates. Garrett Whitlock is good. Well, what I can tell you is that this game had a two-hour-long rain delay in the middle and lasted four hours if you take out the rain delay, which means that I just sat here from actually because I watched the pregame show. So from 6.30 p.m. Eastern until it's now 2.29 a.m. Eastern. And this whole time I sat here and watched, cared about my entire mind space was the New York Yankees. And this is how it ends. I mean, I was like half falling asleep in the sixth and seventh inning after they came back from, from a rain delay. I mean, this was over. This is a three, four run lead. And it's just like, all right, there's literally no one left in the stadium. Brett Gardner goes deep. We get another souvenir. I see us, uh, you know, we're, we're going to bring in Chapman up four, which I mean, I don't have a problem with. If you want to end the game, if you, if you want to end the game like that, feel free, Aaron Boone. But never did I think that, 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 that this was going to happen. And, as soon as I saw the bat hit the ball on the grand slam, I was just, just completely speechless. And, you know, there's not really much else to say about this game. I mean, I've been saying, I've been talking a lot about the Yankees on this show. I mean, until things change, it's not going to change. So we're going to have this same team rolled out here for the next couple months. However, and just got to see how it is. I mean, no, no real, real reason to get into the Yankees again. We seem to pretty much do that every day, but we're just going to see how it goes. Uh, certainly a tough loss, but it is what it is. All right. Well, I believe you have the next game, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, you know, if the, the Yankees are going to get embarrassed like that, I certainly like to see the Mets not do good either and the Braves jump all over the Mets here but it was the Mets taking the lead first Pete Alonzo homers in the first to score the Mets only two runs of the game the Braves then score 20 unanswered runs between that point and the end of the game I will run through some of these quick they get a Ronald Acuna home run in the bottom of the first they then get Five RBI singles in a row uh, through the fourth inning. That will make the game 8-2. to two. 
Guillermo Heredia doubles to make it 10-2. Abraham Almonte makes it 11-2. Home runs from Ozzy Albies and Ari Adrianza make it 14-2. We then get in the bottom of the eighth, man. You got to feel bad for the Mets pitchers here. A bases loaded walk and then a hit by pitch with the bases loaded. Drive in two runs. And to cap it off, Ozzy Albies goes deep once again, a three-run home run. The Braves win 20-2. to Ozzy Albies 5-for-6 with seven RBIs tonight, including those two home runs. The win to Max Freed, five innings, two earned, and seven Ks. The loss to David Peterson, who goes three innings, eight hits, five earned, and two strikeouts. The Mets' best pitcher tonight was Albert Almora Jr., their center fielder. He pitched an inning, allowing three earned runs. Uh, If that tells you that that was their best performance of the night, then, yeah, it was a rough night. Certainly allowing 20 runs was not uh, in the Mets' playbook, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, for tonight so yeah Atlanta gets a win the Mets run differential this is the game I wanted to talk about it for the season it's now at minus two <laughs> yet they are six games above 500 and lead the NL East the Miami Marlins have the best run differential in the NL East and they currently sit in last nine games under 500 and eight and a half out so further proof it's the dumbest statistic ever. Further proof that it's just I'm sure at the end of the season it means a lot more than it does during the middle of the season. Ooh. You see, again, I think we I mean we could look at other seasons and figure that out for sure. However, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I mean, I feel like this has been enough. Like, you know, like you're now just about it's halfway gonna through. It's going to itself out a little. It, trust me, I feel like it's going to even itself out. We don't think it will because like some of these teams are so far down in run, run a differential hell or they're so high up. I, I think that it's going to even itself out because it seems like at least in years past, I mean, since the 1800s, when when we have a data, you know, that goes back that far, runs scored and runs allowed correlate pretty good to wins and losses. It's not a oh, I know, but, but it's a it's a pretty good correlation to where you can make expected stats out of it. 
Yeah, but it's 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 a good enough. But it's I don't think it's enough to care. Like for me, like if I'm worried about who, if I'm thinking looking at who I should be scared of, I'm not looking at run differential. There's no way you'll get me to look at run differential anymore. Oh, no. I mean, I, no, no, I, no. I, I I can pull I can pull exceptions from that rule out of like every single MLB season. Um, granted, there really aren't that many this year. I mean, AL Central looks pretty much good. AL East looks fine. I mean, Tampa's a little high, yes. Um, but no, I mean, I think overall it's not terribly off. I don't. I just don't expect it to change that much. And overall, I mean, that what what matters is if you're winning the game, not how much you win it. Uh, I have a big thing just to announce really quick. I just saw it. Hal Steinbrenner will be speaking on Zoom Thursday morning. So today, Hal Steinbrenner is going on Zoom. I mean, this is the first time he's made a public appearance in quite a while. So very interested to see what he is going to have to say about the Yankees. But uh, I just saw a GoFundMe has been made to buy the team from him. Uh, LJ, would you, if you would like to help pitch into the only $10 million goal, I'm not sure that that's enough money to buy a baseball team, but I yeah, don't think so. Um, yeah, so next up, we got the Royals and the Red Sox, but first, the early day excitement came from yet another Chris Sale simulated game, and Brandon. It looks good. Was I don't mean to get too excited. On the, on the mound and not in the bowl. Yes. It was in the, on the mound again. How can they do a simulated game on the mound? Like, I don't get how a simulated game works. Is there, like, a screen or something that, like, is tracking his his, his pitches? Like, how exactly does, does like, an at-bat work? I mean, it's not like someone can hit the ball, right? Um. You or is see, it kind of like you just like throw all your pitches and you see how it works. It's like whether or not no, they, they, ball, they right, swing all balls. Oh, they they swing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then it's usually it, sometimes it's just one batter. Sometimes you put a a runner or two on just to see like what they would move, do situational oh, stuff yeah, like that. But yeah. um, slider looks solid. Everything I've seen, fastball looks really good, and more so. The least expected thing, the control is as much there as it ever has been, which wouldn't be something you'd expect having the guy not thrown for a year. Yeah, uh, I think that that's what sets apart the superstar pitchers and the star pitchers is that the superstar ones will always have control over their stuff and can just really, really uh, hit that spot over and over again. Well, anyway, into the game that ensued after it, Salvador Perez gets the first run of this game and his 19th home run of the season. But this game doesn't get spicy until the bottom of the third, where a J.D. Martinez piss missile goes into the center field seats. It makes it a 3-1 game as two knocks by Xander Bogart and Hunter Renfro extend this to a 5-1 game in the fifth 
before the rain delay. Yeah, also, Carlos Santana also drove in runs with Kansas City, making it 5-2 at the rain delay. The Red Sox did get one more on a Hunter Renfro piss missile to left center field in the bottom of the eighth that extended it out of a save situation. However, however, Matt Barnes still did come in to close this 6-2 win out. Give the win to Martin Perez on this great Perez day. He goes five and a third, allowing seven hits, two earned, and two strikeouts. The loss will go to Mike Miner. He went five innings, allowing seven hits, five earned, two walks, one strikeout. Those are eerily similar lines with very different different results. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, a solid game. Again, another one, like Brandon said, I don't think it necessarily had to be continued. You had just about as long a delay everywhere up the east in the east coast region and if i'm correct the majority of them were all decided just about all of them were decided before the rain hit look i'm not even mad about my team like like allowing that that a comeback like it's just the story of of this year's team i'm i'm past that why weren't these games just like called off like you, what's the point of stopping for two and a half hours? Like, yeah, you know, I mean, especially when these teams, LJ, I don't know if the 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 Red Sox do, but the Yankees have a day game tomorrow. Like, come on, you're gonna end a game sure at day one, game or not. You're gonna end a game at one fifteen local time when they gotta be back there to play a game in less than twelve hours, and then tra- I mean, thank God the Yankees don't have to travel this weekend, but. Still, it just seems dumb. It is, especially the when Red like Sox do have a day game tomorrow. Yeah. So that's just it makes it even more stupid. Just cancel these games. You're not gonna yeah, like I mean, this was at the time, so you have to have the losing team bat in the fifth inning. They bat they did indeed bat in the fifth inning. They also got to bat in the sixth inning. If we ended after after four and a third or four and a half innings, you end up with a three one Red Sox win. You end after the sixth inning when the actual rain delay hit, you end up with a five two win. That it's not like it was like a top a one run game. I mean, it's not a, it's not a blowout, but like it, it's unnecessary. Well. The D-backs and Cardinals, Diamondbacks on the road. You can imagine how it went. And it starts off with pitchers who rake because Kwang Hyung Kim delivers an RBI double, LJ, on a line drive. you got to go and watch this clip on Twitter. Kwang Hyung Kim hits the piss out of the ball for a two-run double for pitchers who rake to get the scoring going. As Drupal Cabrera gets Arizona on the board in the third with an RBI single, but then Tyler O'Neill and Yadi Molina come through with singles in the bottom of the third to take a 4-1 to lead. Paul Goldschmidt and Tommy Edmond both single in the fourth and fifth to make it 6-1. to St. Louis, they go on to win this one by a score of 7-4. to four. The Diamondbacks drop yet another on the road. If I am correct, they have now lost 
29 of their last 30 on the road. You can give the win to Kwang Young Kim. Five innings, three hits, one earned, and five Ks. The loss goes to Riley Smith, who got the start for Arizona. Three innings, seven hits, four earned. And the save to Alex Reyes, his 20th on the year. Well, here is a statistical anomaly in this these next two games and also something that Brandon might be able to explain to me, but seems a little ridiculous here. The Tigers Indians doubleheader starting at 6:40 PM. Yeah. Uh, no, no good, good reason for that. Uh, just another example of the MLB's incompetence when it comes to scheduling. Well, Jose Ramirez hit a home run in the bottom of the first to give Cleveland their lead in the top of the second. Harold Castro and Jake Rogers both drive in runs for Detroit. Bobby Bradley and Cesar Hernandez do go yard in the mid-game. Bobby Bradley goes yard again in the fourth, but it is a huge run from the fifth on for Detroit that seals this one. Harold Castro put them ahead with a single in the fifth. Then they get Miggy with it in the sixth, get that sack fly. Heimer Candelario hit an RBI single, and then a Jonathan Scope single sealed the deal. Detroit takes care of business 9-4. Give the win to the funky man, Kyle Funkhauser, going an inning in two-thirds in relief of Jose Urania, who went three in the third, allowing four earned with five strikeouts. The loss will go to Brian Shaw in game one. We will then pick it back up with the 10-16 start of game two here between the Tigers and the Indians. And this one started right off the bat with two runs for Detroit in the second inning. They get those first two. The Indians do manage to get one run in on a Bradley Zimmer triple in the bottom of the second. However, from there, we have a Eric Haas, home run, his ninth of the year. We get Miggy with it for the second time today. Home run number seven on the season. And then Derek Hill and Jonathan Scope drive in runs late to finish this 7-1 routing of the Indians. One of the rare and elusive sweeps of a doubleheader. Give the win to Willie Peralta, who went five innings, allowing three hits, one run, but none earned, and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Logan Allen, three and two-thirds, two earned, three strikeouts. Uh, two things I forgot to mention after the Diamondbacks game. One, uh, LJ, I think that you would like this. Boston, the first American League team to 50 wins. Yes, beating Kansas City, Arizona, the only team in or the first team in the league to reach 60 losses. The next closest is at 54. So they are certainly more than on pace to go 44 and 120. That's what they could end up at right now. Should they if somebody could please tell me who this like can't miss prospect is that makes this worth it, I'm dying to know. I mean, I haven't done, I'm not dying enough to actually do the work to figure it out, but 
I am dying to know. I feel like we should have heard of them by now. Yeah, right? <laughs> For who is who is next year's drafts number one overall player? Because you are going to have a wonderful career in Arizona. Wait a minute. Uh, it's... They had the number one pick a couple years ago. Isn't that who Dansby Swanson got drafted by? Was the Diamondbacks? Yes. Who who is he traded for? Because it had to have been a big trade. And I'm, yeah, it was. I do remember seeing something about this trade a couple days ago. It was a couple uh, arms. Shelby Miller and Gabe Spire. Spear. That sucks. Well, according to Prospects Live, some of the top names to know here include Elijah Green of IMG Academy, Kevin Parada of Georgia Tech. So that is one to look out for in next season in the, the I'm sorry, ACC. You got Dylan Lesko from – Have heard that name. Georgia? Yeah. Have heard of have, that name before. I've heard that name a couple times. Um, Carter Young from Vandy, their shortstop. Peyton Paulette from Arkansas. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through here, and there's, like, all right, Brock there's Porter. There's no Bryce Harper in there. For, for there's no Bryce Harper. There, like, the, the point is, the fact that I had to look this up to figure out who was coming out next year is the issue. Like, I mean, they could luck into some high school kid who just goes crazy next year. Maybe. Logan Tanner. Wishful. Um, there's of these top 20, of these 22 for the 2022, I've found four names I know. <laughs> so, and none of them I could have pulled out of my head on my own. Yeah. It's, well, it's not worth it. Just, it's just not worth it. It's rough for Arizona currently, but the team that it's also rough for is the Chicago Cubs. They're facing the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cubs put up a seven spot in the first inning. Jeez, where have we seen that before? Javi Baez singles to score two. Jake Marisnik with a fielder's choice. Eric Sogard with a single. A wild pitch scores another. And then Patrick Wisdom brings in the last two. LJ, that was all the Cubs would get in this one as the Brewers put up a 14 spot in the first four innings. They get a bases loaded walk in the first, a Luis Urias home run in the second, a Tyrone Taylor uh, reach on throwing error by Jake Arietta, which does not count as an earned run against him, yet he made the error. Uh, that makes it 7-5 Brewers. After the second, it's 7-6 Brewers. Or, excuse me, 7-6 Cubs, I should say. Milwaukee takes the lead in the fourth. They get a single from Jace Peterson, a single from Jackie Bradley Jr. Luis Urias hit by a pitch with the bases loaded. And then Willie Adamas with a grand slam makes it 14-7 after four innings. Luis Urias goes deep in the sixth. That's your final. The Brewers sweep the Cubs and have now won 
eight games in a row, nine out of their last 10. As I said earlier, they have the best record in the league against teams that are above 500. They are 20 and six, and they win this one 15 to seven. The win goes to, who is this guy? Trevor Richards out of the Brewers bullpen. He pitches two innings in relief clean. The loss to Rex Brothers of the Cubs, uh, one and a third, three earned runs for him. The Cubs do use a position player in this one, and Eric Sogard, who, wait a minute, did he pitch yesterday? I feel like this guy pitched for the Cubs, or not not in yesterday's game because I was close. Yeah, it was 14-4 to four Brewers the other day, and this guy pitched for the Cubs also. So he pitched twice in a three in a in a three game series or yeah three game series. The wow. Yankees are a little worried about his load management right now. Yeah, no, geez, that's it's too many pitches, LJ. But uh, yeah, Sogard pitches Milwaukee eight games in a row. They are running hot. All right. Well, next up we have the Mariners and the Blue Jays. And this was pretty competitive in the early, followed by a lot of nothing. Um, I'm going to skip some of these highlights here, including Kyle Seeger and Mitch Haniger homers for Seattle as they pushed themselves out to a 6-4 to four lead going into the bottom of the fifth. Lourdes Goriel hits an RBI single and makes this 6-5 as we wait through a whole lot of nothing in the sixth and the seventh. And then Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hits a solo piece to tie the game in the eighth, and we will go to extras. Dylan Moore homers bringing in himself, himself, Luis Torrens, and the Manfred runner to put them up 9-6. Kevin Biggio brings the Manfred runner in on an RBI double, but ultimately they fall in this one 9-7. Give the win to Kendall Graveman. He came in and pitched an inning in two-thirds late. Justice Sheffield went four innings, allowing four earned and three strikeouts. The loss will go to Patrick Murphy of the Toronto Blue Jays. He went pitched a third of an inning, allowing two earned runs, three total, one of which being the – or I'm sorry, two of which being off the home run here brandon i have a legitimate question to ask you as i mentioned that drew steckenrider did get the save here what would, what do you think the overall fan reaction would be to justice sheffield if he was still a new york yankee oh uh i mean he's a i mean that that uh, could have been our first homegrown pitcher in 20 years other than a jordan montgomery and luisa Severino so yeah I think that uh people would be a fan of 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 his uh certainly certainly I didn't he was pretty highly regarded as a prospect from what I can recall if if we were able to get James Paxton who was an ace at the time uh he he was your if I'm correct he was your top pitching prospect for two years yeah um, I got to be honest, do you realize the op- 
that Clint Frazier, which this is exactly the comp I was thinking of. Clint Frazier's got a 77 OPS plus this year. Justice Sheffield has a 72 ERA plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, that I mean, is, it's, it's, it's easily the most shocking comparison as both of these guys you have to admit highly regarded prospects that have yet to figure themselves out well the thing with actually both of them is that they both had really good 2020 seasons they were both good in 2020 i mean clint frazier had a 150 ops plus like People were mad that he wasn't on MVP ballots. MVP ballots? Are you kidding me? I mean, well, to be fair, he almost put up two war in 40 games, which for last year's standard should have been on MVP ballots. Absolutely. But seeing what we know this year out of those two, I mean – Sheffield, I don't, I mean, I feel bad for because I feel like he's just getting started. Like he real LJ, he hasn't even really put together an entire season as a starter in the majors yet because he's just been, he's still young. I mean, he's only thrown a little over 160 innings in the majors. Clint Frazier has had plenty of plate appearances to prove himself. I mean, let's let's be a little bit more harsh on Clint Frazier than we are a Justice Sheffield who has only started 30 games in his MLB career here. Certainly not a lot. I mean, that's like one, one rookie season in the rotation. Clint Frazier has had his certain run of the mill time in the outfield. Um, well, actually, I'm going to make the argument here. Justice Sheffield's got 725 batters faced compared to Clint Frazier's 806 plate appearances. The difference is that Clint Frazier has been over a larger period of time because he kept becoming the um, injury slave for the Yankees outfielders for so many years. Well, he just kept coming up and down for several years until there was all, all of a sudden this ultra-valuable final option year uh, that they couldn't yeah, afford to pass yeah, up. Uh, well, and I think the, the funny thing is, is I actually did just – misspeak uh justice sheffield would not have been homegrown i forgot both him and clint frazier were drafted by cleveland indians when the yankees traded andrew miller there in 2016 as uh the indians were looking to get some extra bullpen help at the trade deadline yankees trade away araldis chapman to the cubs they trade andrew miller to the Indians who end up facing each other in the World Series. The prospects that they got back at that trade deadline, they got back Glaber Torres from the Cubs. They get Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield from the Indians just for Andrew Miller, like a one-year rental at that point of a lefty reliever. And they were giving up Clint Frazier, who was 
the number five pick in the draft just a couple of years earlier. And, and Justice Sheffield. The Indians make the World Series that year. The it, Yankees haven't made the World Series since that point. Like, is it fair to say that maybe the Indians won that trade, trading away Clint Frazier and, and a Justice Sheffield just to get Andrew Miller? I mean... Um, I suppose, first off, I don't think it gets it can get possibly understated enough how ridiculous the amount of teams that Andrew Miller has played for it is. It, it's like, really not a lot. It, he's just been... He's it just, feels like he's been everywhere. He, all right, he has it, played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams. Over 16. He's averaging two seasons per team. Yikes. Uh, but... Did you... We uh, I'm next. Right? Just, yeah, but just to finish up, wrap up my oh, point. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like, you know, in the same way that this city is starting to eat up Clint Frazier, I think they would have eaten Justice Sheffield by now because Justice Sheffield would have been starting to look like he had to come up around the same time this team was so desperate for a number one pitcher. It was like right in that pre pre Garrett Cole era was when he came up. I'm not sure he lasts given this exact he's basically got the same amount of time that Clint Frazier has. I don't I don't think his treatment's any better. It might actually be worse if he was pitching in New York and struggling in the way he has, which again isn't fair to him, but I mean it's just the truth because it was such a it was such a spot of need in a city that can be so brutal and this here's your best guy at a spot of need you kind of you you need him to be good or else your whole city is going to like start flipping cars over well the rockies and pirates uh it starts off with the key brian hayes sack fly in the first and then Brian Reynolds homers. It's 2-0 Pittsburgh early. The Rockies then uh, score runs in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh innings to take the lead. They get a C.J. Crone homer in the fourth. Garrett Hampson double. And then Crone sack fly in the fifth to take the, th- the lead 3-2. Rymel Tapia singles in the sixth. And then Garrett Hampson also singles. Colorado goes on to win this one, six to two. The win to John Gray, six innings, two hits, two earned, and five strikeouts. The loss to Chad Cool, four and a third, five hits, three earned, and six Ks. All right. Well, the Twins went pretty quietly into the night here. Josh Donaldson did get a solo piece in the top of the first. They also scored in the sixth, the Nelson Cruz dinger, and then a Gilberto Celestino, his second home run of the year of former upstate New York fame. However, the White Sox managed to hang 13 runs on this team, including home runs by Brian Goodwin, Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, number 13 on the year for him, Yasmani Grandal, also his 13th. Gavin Sheets adding into this. 
and Yasmai Grandal once again for number 14. This is an absolute laser show by the White Sox here, and I can't get over Gap Sheets. I didn't know that was the last name. I mean, I figure I probably should figure that every single name has been taken at this point, but it never ceases to amaze me. Give the win to Dylan Cease. He goes six innings, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss goes to Bailey Ober, who gets in three and a third before allowing five earned runs and three strikeouts. Well, the Nats and the Rays is next. And I think the story of today's games is just... Happy birthday. Trey Turner. Oh, Trey Turner, yes. Uh, Well... I was going to say the story of today's games is just have one team score in the first inning and then just score a crap ton of runs after that. And that was the plan as the Rays get two in the first inning. They get a Randy Rosarena sack fly and then Gold Glover, Yandy Diaz homers, at least Gold Glover to us, Yandy Diaz. Josh Bell ties it up in the first, but then the Rays get two right back. Mike Zanino, two-run bomb, and Tampa has a 4-2 to two lead after the top of the third. In the bottom of that inning, though, Washington retakes the lead. They get a Juan Soto RBI single, Josh Bell single, and a Starling Castro single. It's 6-4 to four Washington. Randy Rosarena would double to make it 6-5, to five, pulls within one. But then Washington goes on quite a tear here. They get a home run from Trey Turner, a home run from Jordy Mercer, another RBI single from Soto, a home run from Starling Castro. Uh, and then they, to cap it off in the eighth, they get a single from Jan Gomes, a double from Josh Harrison, a sack fly from Victor Robles. The Nats win this one 15-6. to six. More importantly, Trey Turner hits for his third career cycle, uh, which is mightily impressive. To do that three times in your career just seems to be – it seems pretty hard. The win to John Lester, now two and three on the year, five innings, seven hits, five earned. The loss goes to Ryan Sheriff, who did not do a lot of good patrolling today. A third of an inning, three hits, and four earned runs. Um, can we talk about how this is This is a, I feel like, very indicative of what John Lester's late career has been and what I think the rest of John Lester's late career will be, which is a guy who's going to kind of just battle through and make it like a halfway decent, like, He's going to be a decent back-end guy, I still think, for a couple of years to come by putting up numbers like this. Like, he didn't, certainly didn't have his best stuff here. Like, five earned runs is not good at all. I'm not saying it is. However, you give up four of those in the first three innings and then still are able to make it work into the fifth inning, into the sixth inning, that's, that's of value. You're not having to use up all of, that relie- all of those relievers so early in games. Teams will pay for that. Yeah, his thing is just, look, I will get you five innings. I don't care if I've allowed 10 runs. I will get you through the fifth inning. I will qualify for the win. If you can give me enough run support every start, I mean, he would be 
he I don't think I've seen a start this year for him and I'm probably wrong just saying this but it just feels like he's a lock to get past five innings like he will qualify for the win no matter what he's always getting five innings of yeah, course it's, he can't qualify for the win if his team is down or tied but you get the point it's a five three four ERA yet you haven't felt like he's gotten like shelled shelled it, you know, it was probably pretty rough tonight out there for him because I would not want to have to pitch to Wander Franco and Randy Rosarena uh, too often, and they're just sitting right there, especially left on right for for both of them. Just seems not fun. No, but you know those those games happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to flip through here. One two. Three, four. So he he's he's only got. Yeah, that's weird. He's only got four starts this year, where I could legitimately say he was like bad, like, or like at this level of bad. He had a five earned start, a five earned and a six earned back to back in May, and then a a seven and a five to end this month. Which isn't good, but I, I'm struggling to see where a five three four is coming from with his numbers right now. Like it just again, I know like numbers are stupid, but like you know, for their eye test, like if you're able to get consistently get me three earned through five innings, four earned through five innings, I'm fine with that for um, a guy in the uh, back end of a rotation. That's a very good fill piece. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's all that they signed him for was to fill in the back end of the rotation. But I believe we have three games left, and it is LJ on the Rangers and A's. It is indeed me talking about the Texas Rangers and the Oakland Athletics of soon-to-be Portland, soon-to-be Las Vegas, who knows? Somewhere. Well, they will be somewhere, and they will most likely be in Oakland. They sack fly by Sean Murphy, and then a home run by Frank Schwindel, not to be con- not to be confused with Mike Lindell of my pillow fame. This guy is able to put it very nice and soft and gently over the fence to make this a three nothing Oakland game. Joey Gallo hits his 19th home run of the year in the ninth inning as they try to mount a comeback, but the Rangers fall to the A's 3-1. to one. Give the win to Chris Bassett. He goes seven innings of shutout ball with seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Colby Allard. Six innings, three earned, five strikeouts. And Lou Trevino get, gets the save here, number 13 on the year with three hits, one earned, and one strikeout allowed. All right, Marlins and Phillies, another high-scoring one today. Certainly, uh, I I can say this for a fact, and it's only because me and LJ cover every single game. The offense has a 1,000% gotten better in the last couple of weeks. There's no doubt, because there was days where every score would be like, four to one, three to two, 
today, I mean, we have 20 to 2, 11 8. This one was pretty high scoring. Washington was 15 to 6. The Cubs game was up there. The, one of those White Sox games was up there. I mean, and, and so far, it hasn't been unentertaining games either. Oh, no. Like, they've been, they've been very fun to watch. Those are the best games to watch 11 8, 11 10, that kind of game. I mean, both because by the end of it, fans of both teams are just exhausted. You're just exhausted. Yeah. The ideal, the, the ideal one would be like 11 8 with like 20 combined strikeouts. Yeah. That's like the ideal game except now that the offense is good the games are taking longer so not good for pace of place so now we need to unjuice the ball again we need to make it the offense needs to go back down lj the games are too long don't get me started <laughs> well the marlins and phillies uh here it is Joe Panic recently traded from Toronto, I believe. Was that trade today? Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Well, he certainly makes his impression known on the Marlins as he hits a home run for them and gives them a one-nothing lead. Uh, by the way, that trade was the only real important part was a couple of re relievers going to Toronto to try to help out their bullpen. Panic goes deep in the top of the second. Bryce Harper ties it up in the bottom of the second with a homer of his own. Nick Maton triples, and then Odubel Herrera sack fly. It's 4-1 Philadelphia. Adam Duvall keeps up his nice season with a homer off of Aaron Nola, 18th of the year, to pull Miami to 4-2. But then it would be all Miami in the fifth inning. They get a Garrett Cooper single, a Miguel Rojas single, a Jesus Sanchez single, a Joe Panic single, and a Sandy Leone double to take an eight to five lead. Garrett Cooper then singles once again in the sixth. Miguel Rojas reaches on a fielding error, which scores a run. And the Miami Marlins, or actually one last thing, Bryce Harper goes deep for his second homer of the game in the seventh. But the Miami Marlins go on to win this one 11 to 6. The wind is Zach Pop out of the bullpen. Jordan Holloway got the start three innings, four hits, five earned, five walks, five Ks. Aaron Nola takes the loss. Four and two thirds, nine hits, seven runs, 11 Ks. And falls to five and five on the year. And then one last game, we got the Padres and the Reds to close it out today. And this one, the scoring opens up with the Reds scoring four in the bottom of the first. Nick Castellanos, homers, three-run bomb. <laughs> he It was to right field, unfortunately. <sighs> but it made it 3 nothing. It made it a 3 nothing ball game. Kyle I don't know Farmer, if I'll put this headset on again. Kyle Farmer was not sure if he was going to put the headset on again as he made a sack fly to make it 4 nothing. The Padres then hit three home runs over the next two innings to pull within one. Three solo shots from Trent Grisham, Will Myers, and Fernando Tatis with his 26th on the year. So the 
Reds lead four to three after the top of the third. Bottom three, Joey Votto goes yard, and Cincinnati takes a 5-3 lead. In the top of the fifth, we get a grand slam. Slam Diego, welcome back. Trent Grisham with his second homer of the day. Gives the Padres a 7-5 lead. Then the rain came. We get a two-hour and ten-minute delay during the top of the sixth inning. And the Yumps then call it. The Padres win 7-5 to five in a five-inning game. And, yeah, you kind of wish this happened with the Yankees. Like four other spots in the league today. Yeah. But Joe Musgrove gets the win. Four innings, four hits, five earned, three walks, and three Ks. Now five and six on the year. The loss goes to Vladimir Gutierrez, four and a third, six hits, six earned, and three strikeouts. Tim Hill gets the save. And, yeah, uh, I believe we are approaching very quickly the hour and a half point on this episode. But uh, that is all the games for today. We're going to talk about the MLB future game rosters tomorrow as those dropped, and LJ and I want to give – a good reaction to that without uh, being rushed to do so, as we have quite a few thoughts on those. But I believe that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and TikTok. Those are both at MLB Daily Pod. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam. LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 